Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. The playoffs are upon us. We have our first game tomorrow morning, um, and today to dive into this playoff field, we have 14 teams this year uh, with the expanded playoff. Um, a familiar guest, we have Jacob Duncan today. Jacob, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be here for the third time now. Uh, excited to talk some football today. And you're climbing the leaderboard on uh, most often appearances. Okay. Love, um, love my uh, love my red shirt podcast. <laughs> All right, um, we're we're gonna start. Um, we're gonna go. A- we're we'll go we'll go NFC to AFC. So, um, first NFC wild card game is gonna be Saturday at one forty. Um, one forty. You know, Pacific Pacific Standard Time, of course. On Fox, and that's the sixth seed Los Angeles Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks are a four and a half point favorite, Jacob. All right, so this should be a pretty good game. Uh, division rivals, um, they played twice this year, they split their games. Um, obviously, the Rams have been kind of shaky down the stretch. The Seahawks defense has been improving, so I think the biggest storyline to watch in this game will be, um, the Rams quarterback, it's assuming it'd be Jared Goff will be healthy for the game um, versus Seattle's defense, which is surprisingly uh, played pretty well in the second half of the season. Um, some X factors in the game, I think will be the running game for both teams, Cam Akers and Chris Carson. If one of those guys can really get done, I think it can make a huge difference in the game. Um, at the end of the day, though, I, I think Seattle will end up winning this game and I think they'll cover. I think they'll win at a score about 20 to 14. Yeah, I'm um I'm totally with you. I think the biggest storyline to watch is who is playing quarterback for the Rams. John Wolford started last week and towards the end he he made some decent plays. Um but obviously you'd rather have your starter in there. Jared Goff here remains a question. And like like I said he's not a great quarterback, but with Sean McVay, you know that he's preferring to have his former number 1 overall pick there. Um, keep that offense intact. When I'm looking at an X factor for this game, I think about wide receiver DK Metcalf. The last two matchups against the Rams this season have been super forgettable. Um, if the Seahawks want to win, they need DK to avoid a dud like he put up that Week 10 matchup versus Jalen Ramsey. So in the end, I'm going to take the Seahawks here, um, 27 to 20, covering the spread, which I believe is actually shrunk now down to three points. Um, I think this will be a good battle towards the end between these NFC West foes, their third matchup. Um, but I'm going to ultimately lean on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Even with Jared Goff, I have my doubts about the Rams offense being able to produce. And the Seahawks defense, it's not the best in the league like uh, Jamal Blitzboy Adams claimed it was a couple weeks ago. But the unit, it's steadily improved this season as it's gone on. The Rams defense has done a very good job of stifling Russell Wilson, but ultimately I'm counting on Russell Wilson to make enough plays to win this game. I'd agree. Uh, next up we have um, Saturday 515 Pacific standard time on NBC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers slotted in the five seed Tom Brady wildcard round wildcard team. It's weird. Um, take on 
the mighty division winners, the four seed, the Washington football team, Tampa Bay, uh, eight and a half point favorite. All right, so uh, this will be an interesting game. Obviously, uh, Washington was not expected to make the playoffs this year. Ron Rivera did a great job with that team this year. Alex Smith, when he played, I believe they only lost one game when he was a starter. So uh, they played well when Alex Smith, uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. He, he may check the ball down a lot, but he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And they got a really good defense. I think the storyline to watch in this game will actually be uh, Tom Brady um, when he's under pressure against that D-line. Because, you know, he did throw, I think, what is it, 43 touchdowns this year. He had a good season. But when he played good defenses, he didn't necessarily play that well. Um, and that, that Redskins, or sorry, that football team uh, pass rush can really uh, could cause some problems. Um, I think an X, some X factors in this game, um, uh, Logan Thomas, the tight end for the football team, I think if he could get going, he's another weapon for Alex Smith. And he played really well down the stretch. And I think another X factor will be Antonio Brown for the Bucs. Uh, We've seen what he can do when he's 100%, and if he gets going, it'll be hard to stop that team. Um, at the end of the day, I think this will be a close game. I think the football team will play hard. I think the Bucks might just have a little too much. Um, I think it'll be close. I think the Bucks will pull away late. Um, they'll get another a garbage time touchdown or something. Uh, they'll win 24-10 in this game. Yeah, I think – Alex Smith, you said it. They, I think they've only lost one game with him at quarterback, but it does not sound like he's fully healthy. So the storyline I'm watching this week, um, obviously last one was quarterback as well, but it, look, the league's dominated by quarterbacks. It's uh, the most important position in the sport. Um, and for the Washington football team, he played Alex Smith, that is, in week 17, but Ron Rivera has indicated that he's dealing with mobility issues and he could look to unheralded Taylor Heineke to take some snaps quarterback um, try to get some mobility in there so coach Rivera will be asking a lot out of the former Old Dominion Monarch the X factor I'm looking at is uh, defensive end Chase Young and the Washington football team pass rush in general you saw Chase Young he after that victory in week 17 he asked for Tom Brady and Tom Brady he will receive um, Brady, he's looking to bounce back from a forgettable performance last year versus Tennessee in the playoffs. And while he's had success in Tampa Bay, he has struggled against the Blitz at times. And if Chase Young is in the backfield early and often, that'll give Washington a legitimate chance to take down Tampa Bay. But they're going to have to execute very well. And I think they can stay in the game um, for a long way through. Ultimately, the Buccaneers... It's just hard to pick against that talent. I, I'm super tempted to take the Washington football team. I hate Tom Brady. I love Alex Smith, so on and so forth, but I just don't see it happening. With that instability and uncertainty at quarterback, it's hard to imagine the Washington football team offense having heaps of success against Todd Bowles, former uh, formidable defensive unit, former New York Jets head coach Tom Bowles. Todd Bowles. I always have a couple uh, – mistakes recording this podcast <laughs> uh, but ultimately the Washington football team defense will make some plays to harass Tom Brady but Tom Terrific has too many weapons to be totally neutralized so as a fan I'll be rooting for the nameless men of Washington but when I'm picking from an unbiased perspective I'm going to take Tampa Bay I think they I think at eight eight and a half man where you look at it I do not have them covering I think Washington will lose by a touchdown or less but that definitely remains to be seen 
And then the other NFC wild card matchup, that's on Sunday at 1.40 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on CBS, as well as, I don't have it listed here, but I believe this game is also being broadcast on Nickelodeon. Um, I'm super interested to see what that broadcast will look like, but it'll feature the seven-seed Chicago Bears and the two-seed New Orleans Saints, Saints uh, favored by nine. All right, so this is another interesting game. These two teams played earlier in the year and what was actually a pretty close game. Um, the Saints, they're kind of, they're pretty hot right now um, since they started one and two, but they finished the season really strong. Um, the Bears obviously started the season really strong, kind of struggled midway, but they found their way at the end. Um, they kind of got the offense going when Matt Nagy gave the play calling, which is why I think the biggest storyline to watch, win or lose, is Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback one going forward. And at the end of the season, he played well. Um, the, it's gonna, there's a lot of questions going into next year if the Bears are maybe look somewhere else. He plays good enough in this game, win or lose. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens going into next season. Uh, some of the X factors in this game, uh, Michael Thomas, if he's able to play, that could be a big addition for the Saints. He, he didn't have a great season. He battled injuries all year. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he could get going this week. And I think the biggest X factor for the Bears is Matt Nagy. Is he going to come to be able to coach head-to-head with Sean Payton? I don't know. I, I'm not sure how far the Saints team is going to go, but I, I think they're going to win this game. I think it will be close. Uh, I'm going to go with about a – I think the Bears will cover. I think it will be about a 27-21 victory for the Saints. Yeah, so for me – and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the storyline I'm watching is Alvin Kamara. He This game is being played Sunday, so he will be back um, after missing Week 17 – due to coronavirus test positive. But what are we getting from him? He's he's going to be available, but he's – I don't know how much practice he's getting. I know he's been doing everything um, online through Zoom. He's a dynamic playmaker, and he I, I think he should continue to be that guy on Sunday, but it definitely is worth paying attention to. And then the X factor for me, you hit on it, it's Mitch Trubisky. Um, there's been a lot of quarterback talk. They're the guys that make the show go on again. Uh, Mitch has shown some promise this season for sure, but he'll have he'll have to put together a solid four quarters of football for the Bears to advance and really to solidify himself um, going forward. Former number two draft pick, he's had a disappointing career thus far, but I can tell you a big playoff game performance would do wonders for that future. But ultimately, I don't see it. Um, I mean, I just explained that what Trubinski has to do, he has to perform well. And I will say that I do not think he'll be able to perform well. Um, the Saints defense is talented. I think they'll force Mitch into tough situations. The Bears defense may be able to slow down Kamara, Breeze, and Co. a bit, but I don't see them generating nearly enough offense to succeed. So I'm taking the Saints in a big one, uh, 34-17. Um, they move on. Moving to the AFC side, um, first game tomorrow morning, Saturday at 10.05 Pacific Standard Time on CBS the number seven Indianapolis Colts are six and a half point underdogs against the number two Buffalo Bills. All right, so this should be another interesting game. Um, the Colts, uh, they have been kind of up and down at times, a little inconsistent. Uh, Philip Rivers, never know what you're going to get from him. Jonathan Taylor has been amazing down the stretch for them. Um, obviously, the Bills, Josh Allen, what a year that he had. What a surprising year the Bills had. They've been Nothing short of great this year. Um, and I think the biggest storyline to watch in this game is, is this Philip Rivers' last game? Um, 
we don't he had a shaky year he's kind of had a couple years now where he's been a little inconsistent this it's it's to be determined um we'll see if the Colts can pull it out but this, this could be Philip Rivers last season and if they they don't can't pull out the win this could be his last game um and then the X factors I'll continue that I think Philip Rivers has to play well for the Colts to win um it'll the Bills offense is just going to be hard to stop he's going to have to keep up with them and then Another X factor, I think it's the whole Bills front seven against Jonathan Taylor. Because if he continues to play well, Colt offense can home. But at the end of the day, I, I think this is going to be a blowout. I, I, I don't see the Colts staying with the Bills. I think the Bills are too hot right now. Um, I'm going to take the Bills to cover, and I think they're going to win big. I'll take them 35-17. Yeah, I'm looking at my phone right now. Bleach Report just put out their picks for this weekend, clearly trying to get ahead of the red shirt. Um so for me, the storyline to watch, the Bills, they've now reached the playoffs three of the previous four years, but they have not won a playoff game since 1995. So they have that potent offense. They have a gritty defense. Both fans are itching for that elusive victory, and I think that just in general is what um, or is something to look for. The X factor for me, it's all about Jonathan Taylor. Um, he, he had some down moments. He, he wasn't incredible throughout his rookie season, but he's coming off a monster performance, 250-plus uh, yards and two touchdowns in Week 17. Um, it's obviously going to take some success from Phillip Rivers as well, but a strong running game for Indy and really being able to pound the pound the ball, uh, work the clock, keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. That is integral if they want a chance to advance. And in the end, I – it's an, this is another case of picking a team I don't like, but it has to be done. I think Josh Allen, he's proved the skeptics wrong, although I'll, I'll never like the guy. I don't care if, he's, <laughs> if he ends up being the GOAT. I, I don't like him. I'm still going to say he's awful. It's, it's just going to happen. But he put forth an MVP caliber season with his new target, Stephon Diggs. The Colts play hard-nosed defense, and I think they can take advantage of Allen's occasional miscues. So it's it's all about the Colts offense. This game is predicated on the Colts offense. Philip Rivers controls the ball and Jonathan Taylor has success. I think the Colts win. But in the end, the Bills may be the hottest team in football and it will take a near perfect effort from India to pull it out. It's doable, but I won't pull the trigger on the upset. I will say they cover. I think the brand of football that Indianapolis plays um, can keep them in the ball game. So I'm going to take the Bills 27-24. Um, Bills get that elusive victory that I alluded to earlier. Um, next game, whole day later for the AFC. That's Sunday at 10.05 uh, Pacific Standard Time on ABC. NFL on ABC sounds very weird. Um, but that is the five-seed Baltimore Ravens uh, headed to the four-seed Tennessee Titans. The Titans are three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. All right, so another great game. I believe this is the closest spread out of all the games, so it'll probably be considered game of the week by most people. Um, you're looking at the top-tier rush offense in the Titans and or in the Ravens, and then also top-tier running back Derrick Henry carries that rush offense. Um, and I think the biggest storyline to watch in this game is, is Lamar Jackson, how he's going to perform in the playoffs, because we've seen the last two years it hasn't ended well for him, and, and we're going to see if he shows up against the team that beat him last year. Um, X factors in the game, in my opinion, are the Titans pass rush. And I know the Ravens aren't going to throw the ball a lot. But the Titans pass rush has struggled mightily all year. When they have that opportunity, we're going to see if they can maybe make a play. 
and the Ravens receivers, they have to step up. But that, there's going to be times where Lamar Jackson is going to have to throw the ball. They've been shaky all year. They have to step up. I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, I, I just I don't know if the Ravens will be able to stop Derrick Henry at the end of the day. And if, I think Ryan Tannehill is good enough to promote, propel the Titans for a second straight year to take down the Ravens. I think the Titans pull off the upset technically by spread and win 28-24. Yeah, I mean, this matchup, I, I, I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. It's the rematch of last year's AF, or one of last year's AFC divisional games. I remember, um, I believe that game – they were playing that game as I was at Winter Formal, and I remember taking my phone out, and I just saw the video of Derrick Henry stiff-arming Earl Thomas, like, to the moon. Um, and I, I can tell you, they, um, the Ravens haven't forgot. Derrick Henry hasn't forgot. He keeps doing it to other people. Earl Thomas isn't special anymore. Um, in the regular season rematch, Derrick Henry walked it off with a long touchdown run in overtime. So the storyline for me, can Baltimore finally return the favor when it matters? Um, the X factor for me, I think you and I were thinking very similar. And so what I'm looking at more so, I went from the other angle, that's offensive coordinator Greg Roman. He was uh, highly regarded as one of the top uh, coordinators assistants in the league last year. Um, and he's really going to have to call a good game here. The Titans vote a suspect pass defense in the middle of the pack rush defense. So the way he attacks them is important. The Ravens are built on the ground and pound kind of offense, but will Roman dial up some deep balls against a piss poor aerial defense? Obviously, you know, the personnel, they're going to need to execute. Lamar's going to have to make throws. Hollywood Brown's going to have to play like a professional football player, but the play calling needs to be on point for a Ravens win. And this is hard. This is probably the hardest game to pick for me this week. Um, the Ravens, they were reeling and looking at an uphill battle following a shorthanded loss to Pittsburgh in week 13. But since they've been firing on all cylinders, dominating on offense and making plays all around. The Titans, they've been mildly inconsistent all season. Um, Tannehill to A.J. Brown, as well as the dream killer Derrick Henry, they pose legitimate threats. But the Titans just haven't earned my trust. Um, so I think this should be a fun game. But I'm gonna air with the. Uh, I'm I'm gonna air with Lamar Jackson breaking the whole can't win in the postseason narrative, um, with the Ravens capturing the win, 31 to 26, um, covering that spread. I think that'll be a great game. I think it'll come down to the very end, regardless of what it ends up as. Um, and then the last game on slate for this weekend, Sunday, 5:15. On NBC, the number six seed, Cleveland Browns. Uh, I have them listed here as four-and-a-half-point underdogs. I believe it's risen closer to six. Uh, take on the rival, number three-seeded Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so we have another divisional matchup in the playoffs here with the Browns and Steelers. Uh, they split their season series uh, one apiece. Obviously, with the Browns a win coming last week against the Steelers with a lot of their starters out. Um, this, I think the biggest storyline to watch here is can the Browns overcome dealing with all their COVID-19 issues? It, it's going to be hard. You don't have your head coach. You have a lot of other key players out. I know they got some guys returning this week. Um, it, it's going to be tough. I think some of the X factors here um, in this game will actually be Cody Parkey, this Browns kicker. We know he's had trouble in the playoffs before. 
He hasn't exactly been the most consistent kicker. If they need a kick down the stretch, we'll see if he can perform. And I think another X factor would be the Steelers' run game because we know they like the best. And James Conner, we've seen him have success before. It's just their Steelers' run game hasn't been that good this year. Uh, we'll see if they can step it up because the Browns are definitely going to want to run the ball and take the ball out of the Steelers' uh, offense's hands. Um, I, I think this will be a close game. I, I've gone back and forth, and I think I think the Browns are going to pull off an upset here. I, I really do. It's, they've both been inconsistent teams down the stretch, but I don't – something – some type of gut feeling is telling me the Browns are going to win this game. I think it will be really close. I went back and forth, but I – if Nick Chubb and Green Hunt get going on that ground game, Baker Mayfield just has a good enough game. I think the Browns can win this game 20 to 17. I think you and I might uh, have a similar feeling. What I'm looking for, I mean, although the Garrett and Rudolph debacle has simmered down, it remains an intense rivalry. And there really just isn't a lot of love between these two teams. And with the Browns returning to the playoffs for the first time since 2002. 2002, the Bills they hadn't won a game since 1995, but at least they'd been since 2002. I'd expect a fiery matchup on the gridiron. Also to be noted, the Browns remain plagued by COVID-19, and they will be without head coach Kevin Stefanski, as well as several other team members. The X factor for me, it's quarterback Baker Mayfield. The ground-and-pound duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is typically the focal point of their of that Cleveland offense but the Steelers are capable of slowing them down to an extent. So against a well-rounded and ferocious defense, the outspoken Heisman winner, former first overall pick, commercial star, commercial star, how could I forget? He has to deliver a great performance. Against the Steelers in their first matchup, he threw for 120 yards and two interceptions. That type of performance will send the Browns back to their usual couch spot for the postseason. So he doesn't need to be – he doesn't need to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. But Baker Mayfield needs to limit turnovers and make some plays. And he, I have the same gut feeling as you. It's a gut feeling, and it, it will not may end up being ill-advised due to the Browns being affected by COVID and also just the nature of the Browns franchise. Um, however, the Steelers, they've been shaky after their 11-0 start. Baker Mayfield's no sure thing, but at this point, is it really fair to say that Big Ben is either? Um, without a respectable run game at this point, the Steelers' offense has been incredibly one-dimensional and stoppable. It's it's just it's hard to put my faith in Baker Mayfield. I hate the guy, but my gut's just telling me that Cleveland's going to make good of their first playoff appearance in over a decade. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Browns faithful a triumphant victory, twenty-eight to twenty-seven, an absolute thriller down to the wire. Um. And a great way to end off this wild card weekend. We'll see, though. Um, we will see. I believe that's my only – I think I took a couple teams, a couple underdogs to cover, but I believe that is my only outright upset of the week. Um, some good games this week. Yeah, for sure. As well, uh, I guess we got, we got a great weekend of football, and then Monday we have that national championship. I should have a preview up on the blog by the time you're listening to this um oh there goes my mic uh, all right from here on we are going to move into the awards category i believe uh, i think it's actually they're announcing them later this year i think they're doing it after super bowl sunday i think they're doing it like beginning of february um but we're so. going to go through some of um the biggest awards um give our picks 
um, some guys that can compete for it and just kind of our lowdown on that. So we can start with um, the biggest one of them all, if you'd like. Let's go with the MVP. All right. So for this one, me personally, I think there's only two candidates to pick from. I think obviously everybody knows the favorite right now. It's Aaron Rodgers. Remarkable year, threw for over 50 touchdowns at a super high completion percentage. I think like five interceptions, just short of 5,000 yards. He was incredible. Led the Packers to the one seed in the NFC. If he wins it, he 100% deserves it. Um, but I think the guy that I don't think is getting enough credit for what he did this year was Derrick Henry. He ran for the fifth most yards in NFL history. He led the league in touchdowns. He won, the Titans won the division. I just, personally, Derrick Henry is my pick. I know he's not the favorite right now. I just think he had a ridiculous year. I, I don't, some people aren't even talking about him being a top three candidate, which is just ridiculous to me. Um, I, you can throw Mahomes in the mix, but I, I just think he's not, I love Mahomes, but I just don't think he's up there. Um, I think I'm going to take Derrick Henry for MVP. I know it's not the favorite pick, but that would be my pick. I just quickly went uh, to find, to see if I could find my Derrick Henry jersey easily accessible <laughs> in my closet. I can't, so I won't take the time to scavenge through for that. Um, I think you're totally right. Derrick Henry, his season has totally been forgotten. He, he ran for 2,000 yards. He is way up there in the record book, and I, I broke it down. I think the case for Henry is – he the last 2000 yard rusher was 2012 MVP Adrian Peterson and you know the difference Derrick Henry has five more touchdowns exactly. and when you're in that era of prolific passers he had one of the greatest running back seasons we've seen this century and I think it's one of those things where you look if you're looking at value I think the Titans are nowhere near the playoffs without Derrick Henry the obvious case against Henry is uh, just positional bias. And we saw Heisman voters buck that typical positional bias and voting a wide receiver for Heisman earlier this week. But if Henry really wants to take home that MVP award, he's going to need those voters to overlook that. And Peterson, he had that incredible year, but that was all the way back in 2012. And before that, the last running back to win it was Ladanian Tomlinson in 2006. So we had a special season but without having some some form of versatility, he has he doesn't have you know the pass catching ability of a guy like Christian McCaffrey. I think those little things, fair or not, hold him back. So I'm not. I think he has a very legitimate argument to win the MVP. But I think in the voters' eyes, I think they're gonna slight him. Um, and oh, I when I when I look at what you consider like an MVP moment. Um, and maybe this is, I guess this is technically two, uh, his performances against the Texans were incredible. Um, I look, I'll lump them together as one. I really don't care. The first time they played, he went over 200 yards for the first time in 2020, including a walk-off overtime touchdown that would keep the Titans undefeated. And then the second time, which was week 17, he put up 200 yards. Um, that got him over 2000 yards and his two touchdowns were necessary and then winning the AFC South. So I have, I have Derrick Henry as the runner up. I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. Um, phenomenal season. He sent, he threw for 4,300 yards, 48 touchdowns and only five interceptions. Um, after Brian Gunkurst passed on wide receivers in favor for Rogers future replacement in the 2020 NFL draft, 
Rodgers torched every defense he's seen. And he doesn't lead in uh, counting stat like yards, but he's thrown a whopping 48 touchdowns, completed 70% of his stats, leads the NFL and QBR, passer rating, as well as a number of advanced metrics. Um, he's the quarterback on the number one team in the NFC. And, you know, he he's the guy to thank for it. He has what propelled this team. The argument against Aaron Rodgers is um, – his weapons were just kind of weird to say, but I think some voters may hold out against him because he has the privilege of one of, if not the best receiver in the NFL right now, Devontae Adams, as well as a budding running back in Aaron Jones, as well as a phenomenal offensive lineman. He only was sacked um, 20 times. I don't think any of those are great cases against Rodgers, as you know, shown by the fact that I'm picking him, but those are things that could be held against him. And then his MVP moment, I think, look, he was phenomenal all year. That's why if you're winning MVP or doing these things week in, week out. Um, I'm going to narrow that down to his Week 17 performance against the rival Chicago Bears. Headed to the second half, he was a perfect 11 of 11 passing with three touchdowns, and he f- would finish 19 to 24, 240 yards and four touchdowns to seemingly sink their divisional rival, although they would end up getting in because the Arizona Cardinals lost. It wasn't per se – the best game of the year, but this felt like the performance that really gave him the nod to become the favorite to take home the trophy. So Aaron Rodgers is my MVP pick. I think you can't go wrong with him or Derrick Henry. Um, Other guys that I considered were Patrick Mahomes. He had a great year as well as um, the dreaded Josh Allen. But ultimately I I'm taking, I'm taking a rod discount, double check. Um, Next, we have maybe the most confusing award, at least to me in sports, and that's the Offensive Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, I 100% agree. It's a lot of times an offensive player, or pretty much every time an offensive player wins MVP, but you don't see them win Offensive Player of the Year at the same time. It can be kind of dumb. Um, but Yeah, I don't point- understand the criteria. Like, are they just – because sometimes it's been used as the best non-quarterback It's because like, it's a quarterback yeah. award – but like, it, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. I think there's a lot of guys you could throw in this race again: Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry, of course. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, Delvin Cook. You can even look at uh, Travis Kelsey had a phenomenal year. Um, at the end of the day, though, I mean, if I'm gonna stay consistent, I'm gonna pick Derrick Henry again for to win this award. I, I don't think he'll win the MVP. I do think he'll win Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I, I think Derrick Henry's Player of the Year. You can argue for Kelsey. Rodgers, um, those probably be the next two guys in line for me. But um, I, I would say Derrick Henry deserves the Offensive Player of the Year award. Yeah, I think so with me, I have Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP. So I do, I as a result, considering Offensive Player of the Year has typically been used as the best non-quarterback, I'm going with Derrick Henry. So I'll talk about my runner-up then, I suppose, keeping with the theme that they're probably not looking at a quarterback for the award. That's actually going to be Alvin Kamara, the New Orleans Saints running back, who I spoke about a little bit earlier. Uh, 932 rushing yards and 16 touchdowns, plus 83 receptions for 756 yards and five touchdowns. And that's, I mean, I don't have this right up here, but that's he didn't play a full season by any means. It, the thing about Kamara that's unlike Henry is he's super versatile in that he nearly had a thousand rushing yards while also ranking top 20 in the league in receptions. Um, I believe he broke a three year stretch of recording exactly 81 receptions. Um, and with a lot of movement at quarterback, he remained that top threat and her defense is on the ground and through the air. Um, 
obviously there was a late season game versus Minnesota that I can I'll talk about more in a second that helped his case, but we can kind of get into that. Um, and the case against Kamara and you know his fault or not, um, he had a couple big dead games in the middle of the season. For example, his team won both, but he had a combined 101 yards against Tampa Bay and Denver. That's week eight and week 12. Um, and uh, this is another case where it's not even his fault. It's just the way that voters are going to process it when he has certain games where he had limited rushing numbers, but had some success in the air. There's a game he ran for only like 15 yards, but it did, did damage through the, through the air. He shouldn't really get discounted for that but I can tell you that he will anyways, even though it's not fair. Um, So that's knock on AK-41, who, which I have this in my notes. As you can tell, I'm reading this off of a future article to be published. Um, Total failure that he's not number 47. AK-47 would have been the coolest (laughs) nickname in the league. Um, And then his clear, like, you know, MVP, offensive player of the year moment, whichever you want to call it, as I, this is an audio podcast that was doing finger quotes um it's easy it's his christmas game against minnesota he ran for a good but not mind-blowing 155 yards but coupled that with um a casual record six rushing touchdowns um i mean following a disappointing loss against kansas city the week before kamara in new orleans hung 52 in minnesota stockings so i have alvin kamara as the runner-up for offensive player of the year other guys i looked at um, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the quarterbacks, um, as well as their top targets, Travis Kelsey, the Kansas City tight end, Stephon Diggs, Bills wide receiver, as well as Devontae Adams, Green Bay wide receiver. Next up, we have a much more clear award. Uh, that is the defensive player of the year. <laughs> yep, so there's a lot of good defensive players this year that are worthy of this award. Um, Aaron Donald, of course, is great every year. Uh, Miles Garrett had a phenomenal year. But I think it lines up to two guys that are definitely the clear front runners, in my opinion, and that's T.J. Watt of the Steelers and Xavier Howard of the Dolphins. Um, Watt was just a phenomenal pass rusher this year. I'm pretty sure he led in pretty much like every pass rush stat, um, something that hasn't been done in a while. And Xavier Howard was a lockdown corner this year. I think he had 10 interceptions. It was something ridiculous. Um, it's a tough race. I, I would be fine if either one of those guys won at the end of the day. Um, but I think T.J. Watt deserves it. Um, his brother, J.J. Watt, has won this award many times, and I think they're going to keep it in the family name um, for another year. T.J. Watt, uh, I think he will take home the defense player of the year. Yeah, so my race, I ended up coming down to um, the pass rushers, T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald, I think. Xavier Howard was top on my others considered. I just think it's a, this award is a lot easier to give out to a pass rusher. I think it's a lot easier to quantify that Mm -hmm. considering that the precedent has been set. You don't see as many DBs win the award. Um, I ultimately have TJ Watt taking it home. He had 53 tackles, 23 of those for loss, which is up there in the record books, led the league in sacks at 15, had two forced fumbles. He was the fearless leader on an elite Steelers defense there's really not a great argument against him besides that there, you know, are other incredible candidates. Um, Aaron Donald's my runner up. He had 45 tackles, 20 of them for loss, 13 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles. And the case for Donald, which I think can totally be made is that he's receiving double and triple teams and the future hall of famer is still, he ended up second in sacks and tackles for loss and he's making these impacts. So while Watt leads in these stats, um, it's not a significant margin. 
And also, again, the argument to be had is that Donald impacts the game more than what. When he draws those double, triple teams, it opens up lanes for other guys. And Aaron Donald does that dirty work that, you know, you don't really – that isn't reflected in the stat sheet per se. Um, so that's the case for Donald. The case against him is simply people who don't buy into that because Watt has the clear statistical edge. And that's no, and that's not doubting Aaron's greatness. He's I, If you're telling me that anyone other than Aaron Donald is the best defender in football right now, you're wrong. Um, but there are going to be people – um, that don't buy into the whole non-stat sheet plays when determining this award. And TJ just put forth a monstrous campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Donald, he definitely could win his third defensive player of the year here. Um, but I, I'm leaning with the Watt brothers, and it's not uh, the frustrated one in Houston. It's TJ. Um, the other, the others I considered, like I mentioned, Xavier Howard as well as Miles Garrett. Um, yeah, and then moving on. Let's let's look at the rookies. Let's look at some offensive rookie of the year. All right. So obviously there's two front runners for this category. I'll get to them in a second. Um, but one guy that I definitely want to talk about who had a great year was James Robinson. He doesn't get nearly enough credit for what he did down in Jacksonville this year. Um, I don't think he'll win the award, but 100%. I think he's the third place man for over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, something like that. Um, it was good in the receiving game as well. Uh, but the two front guys, two front runners are obviously the two Justins, Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson. Both had phenomenal years as rookies. Both heavily exceeded expectations. Um, both of them did. Um, Herbert looked like he was running away with the award at one point, but Justin Jefferson was nothing short of phenomenal. Um, I've gone back and forth. I think both of the guys are in other seasons definitely would have won the award, but I, I think I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. What he did as a rookie this year, I think he broke the rookie receiving record. Um, he was just amazing. Uh, I don't really know what else to say. After losing Stefan Diggs, they had a whole lot wide receiver. He stepped in right away, uh, right next to Thielen, and he looked like the best wide receiver on the team, looked like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL right away. Um, both of those guys have bright futures, but I'm going to pick uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, this is these two guys had incredible seasons, not just for rookies, but just league-wide in general. Um I'm going to I'm going to lean with Justin Herbert for this award. He threw for uh 4336 yards, 31 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Um and I mean the case for Herbert's clear. He smashed just about every rookie passing record, most passing touchdowns, total touchdowns, completions, 300-yard games. And had he started week 1, he likely would have broken the yards record as he fell about 40 short. So, I mean, long story short, he silenced those naysayers um, and put up a phenomenal, you know, freshman campaign. And there's really not a great argument against him besides just simply the greatness of Justin Jefferson. The, his, the, his you know, M- whatever you want to call it, MVP offensive rookie of the year moment um, was that gutsy performance against New Orleans in week five. Um, that's one of the better defenses in football and Justin threw for 264 yards and tossed four touchdowns. He did his job. The Chargers simply choked it like they do, mm-hmm. um, to no fault of his Justin Jefferson. I, he puts up a valiant effort in this and I think it can really go either way. Um, 88 receptions for 1400 yards and seven touchdowns. That's, I love how that, that's just a flat number. That's very pleasing. Um, and he, he just had an elite year period. He had he has Kirk Cousins throwing him passes, and he finished with the fourth most uh, yards in all of football. 
uh, diving deeper, he's tied for the most 20-plus yards play with 23. That's mm-hmm. phenomenal. So it was a trying year for the Vikings, but they found their guy at wide receiver in Jefferson. And really, the only case against Jefferson is similar to why I'm not sure if um, Derrick Henry is going to win the MVP is because of just general positional bias. Both of these, both of these guys broke records at their respective positions for rookies, but ultimately Justin Herbert's quarterback and Justin Jefferson is a wide receiver. And both of them were on teams that had losing records and didn't make the playoffs. So Jefferson doesn't necessarily have one specific, you know, out that really favors him over Justin Herbert. But what I have circled him for his offensive rookie of the year moment was um, also similar to Justin Fields. It was in a team loss. Um, he, but he put up 160 yards and two touchdowns against the Falcons in week six. Not a great defensive unit, but 160 yards is 160 yards. That really established him as a top threat. And that was just one of his whopping seven 100-yard performances. So I, I this is a case of I don't think you can pick a wrong one. They both shattered several records and will continue to climb their way up into conversations for the awards above. Um, and the other guys I looked at were, like you mentioned, James Robinson, who had a phenomenal year on a bad Jacksonville team, as well as Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts running back. Uh, next, uh, looking at defensive rookie of the year, uh, what are you thinking? All right, so there's a lot of good defensive rookies this year. Uh, some of the names that come to mind are uh, Patrick Queen had a really good year for Baltimore. Uh, Jeremy Chin was really good for Carolina. Young defense there, he played really well. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, starting on one of the better defenses in the league for the Bucks. Um, he's one of the better players in their secondary, probably the better best player in the secondary right now. Um, as a rookie, he was great. Uh, but I think the clear winner right now is Chase Young. Uh, going into the year, he's the favorite, and he didn't he didn't uh, mess up his season or didn't uh, not deliver. Uh, he was amazing this year. Um, I believe he won Defensive Player of the Month for the last month of the year. Um, he he kind of almost leads that Washington defensive line. Um, we'll see how far they go in the playoffs. We'll see how big of an impact he has. But I think Chase Young had a great year, and he's deserving of defensive rookie year. Yeah. Um, there's really, I mean, I'm looking at this. He came into the league from Ohio State with the expectation that he'd be a game changer. And, I mean, he was um, a key piece in a great Washington defense. He made play after play. Um, put up seven and a half sacks and a frightening four forced fumbles um, as recovering three of those. He's just, he's been awesome. He's been totally awesome. I, I don't really see a way you give the award to someone else. The runner up I'm looking at would be Jeremy Chin, the safety from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he had 117 tackles, a pick, two forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, and two touchdowns. Those are phenomenal numbers, but I think the argument to be had against Chin. Um, is that his numbers are ridiculously inflated by um, that Week 12 game where he had those two fumble recoveries that he took back for touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, looking at the whole body of work, if he can really compete up with Chase Young, but a phenomenal a phenomenal, phenomenal season uh, and, a, and a great first name, great first name um, from Jeremy Chin. And the other guys I looked at, you said it, Antoine Winfield, Patty Queen, um, as well as the Indianapolis Colts defensive back, Julian Blackman. Mm-hmm. 
I'm looking at this right now. I don't know if I accidentally deleted it or what happened. I don't even think I put a case against Chase Young. That's just how confident I am in him winning that award. Um, then next we have uh, Coach of the Year. Um, definitely hotly contested. I, I think – no, I don't think. I think this is the most subjective award there is. I'd 100% agree. There's there's many names that are deserving of this award. Um it looked like at one point, Mike Tomlin, it was his word to lose and Steelers just kind of crumbled on the stretch after when they were after week 11, I would have said easy choice, Mike Tomlin, but now uh, I'm going a different direction. There's a few guys here that I really went back and forth on. Obviously Brian Flores had a phenomenal year um, improving the dolphins. They got 10 wins, nearly made the playoffs. Um, I think if they would have, that might've, might've sealed the deal for him winning, but I think, I think there's a few other guys I like a little bit more. Obviously, Sean McDermott, um, what he did with Buffalo this year. Josh Allen had a phenomenal year. Their defense was not quite as good as past years, but it was still pretty good. Um, going 13-3, and three, a game behind the number one seed. Um, they look like the biggest contender. Get the Chiefs in the AFC, and he's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. But uh, I, the, the guy I'm picking, and I know I've gave him love uh, this episode, it's Kevin Stefanski for the Browns. Um you take the Browns of the playoffs. You're the coach of the year, in my opinion. Um, uh, they had a great year this year. We'll see how far they go in the playoffs, but uh, I, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Baker Mayfield's looked a lot better. That ground game is nothing short of amazing. Um, good defense. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year. Yeah, I think Kevin Stefanski, um, the Browns, they've been miserable. They haven't made it since the early 2000s, like I said, until now. They had that one-year try with Freddie Kitchens, and they pivoted to Vikings offensive coordinator. That's Kevin Stefanski, and he's proven them right. Um, they've had that dominant run game. Baker Mayfield has shown some improvement. And running with the Browns is hard, simply by nature of being a pathetic and kind of cursed franchise. Um, he has them headed to the playoffs, but the thing is, the Browns, they're going to the playoffs, but is it really – how much can you really put on Stefanski? Because they weren't necessarily a clear-cut team uh, to make the playoffs in the offseason. This was one of the most talented rosters in the league going into it. Um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, those aren't by any means like a Stefanski product. I don't know how much credit he can take for that. And ultimately, they've they've done what they needed to in making the playoffs, but there were some very disappointing um, and concerning losses, such as the ones – um, week one against the rival Ravens in the first matchup against the entire Steelers, as well as, I mean, I get it. They were shorthanded at wide receiver, but they lost to the Jets. And that 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 hurts your case. And he threw it, I want to say Baker Mayfield threw the ball 53 times without wide receivers. Yeah. That is not explainable. Um, and they had the privilege of playing the Steelers backups and narrowly beating them to get to the playoffs. So... I don't know. He's been a he's been a really good coach, and he brought the Browns to the playoffs, which is hard. I I don't think he's quite coach of the year worthy, and I know that maybe it's a little flippity floppity in in who I'm picking now. But I'm taking Brian Flores, the Miami Dolphins head coach. I think you no, know, they did not end up making the postseason, um, but he followed up uh, better than expected first season at the helm of the Dolphins with shattering expectations in 2020. Because when you look back, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think I saw any publication that projected Miami with more than maybe six wins, like max. Right. Um, but Flores and his ragtag group, they climbed all the way to 10 wins. And in a regular year, that is 10 wins gets you to the playoffs. 
He's emerged as one of the best and most widely respected coaches in the league. I know it didn't culminate in a playoff appearance, but this was a massive, massive success for a not ridiculously talented Miami Dolphins team. And the obvious case against Flores is that they did not make the playoffs. But a lot of that, to me, has to do with some bad luck and that brutal loss week 17. And the playoffs weren't the expectation. That's going to be held against him. But ultimately, that wasn't the expectation. I will say the whole juggling act at quarterback between Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick was super odd. So I don't really know if that'll influence anyone on their vote. But, I mean, if if, if Flores and Co. if they were in the playoffs, it would be a near shoe-in. But without him making the award, I'm not necessarily confident in him winning it. But he would be my pick. Although they're definitely, I mean, look, you, you're not wrong if you're saying it's Kevin Stefanski. You're not wrong if you're saying Shang. If you're saying it's Sean McDermott, uh, even throw out a Ron Rivera. I think Matt Lafleur should get some credit. Wouldn't be my pick, but I think there's validity to really any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Would you you want to do some? You want to do comeback player of the year? We can do comeback player of the year. It'll be right I think we know. I think but, we can do this one fast, but uh, yeah. comeback player of the year, what are you thinking? I think we can all agree there's only one candidate here. Uh, we talked about him earlier. It's Alex Smith. Um, coming back from that injury, I, I I don't see how anyone could not pick him as comeback player of the year. Took him to the playoffs. Uh, it's nothing short of incredible. Alex Smith was able to do it. even get on the field. Um, 100% comeback player of the year. No question asked. It's not a discussion. On this one, I put... Comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, Washington football team quarterback, case for Smith, and then that's the end That's the end of the note. There is no case against him. There, there is no one else that should be discussed. Smith simply touching the football field would have been good enough to hand the sword to him for me. But he, he's done more than that. He's bossed up and helped lead the unheralded Washington football team to the playoffs, and there's no discussion to be had here. In fact, I would say, I mean, I think the award should be named after him at this point. It is um, – the courage and the perseverance it's it's just it's awesome to see and i know i'm just rambling with run-on sentences and stuff but it's it's something truly special and it's one of those things that make you think how magical sports is for him to come back from such a gruesome injury and win or lose you know whether he's the the quote-unquote answer in washington watching him play this season and having the opportunity to watch him play a playoff game this weekend is going to be awesome in win or lose is the biggest success story of the year. For sure. It's no questions asked. So that's all we really have on the agenda. I'm trying to see if anything has gone on since um, we entered this. I don't believe so. I think um, just that bleacher report trying to get out their picks before us. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, do you, do you have anything to add? Am I missing something? Um, I don't think so. I think we touched on pretty much everything. Um, just uh, ready for these, ready for these playoffs to start. It'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of teams that I think uh, could reach yeah. Super Bowl this year, and I know, especially in the AFC. I I know I made all these, we made all these picks, but I real realistically, I could see any team winning in that AFC. Yeah, I I think I I would argue the NFC is more wide open. I think. Obviously, I, I think the Chiefs have proven to be beatable, but I really – there's not a team that I would confidently um, pick from the NFC. That's fair. So, I don't know. I think – I guess one one thing that we can discuss very briefly is what's happening with Deshaun Watson. I mean, I think 
I feel I feel bad for the guy. I think he deserves better. I think he deserves out, but there's no chance that he's traded. And if he if he is somehow traded, I would you'd think it'd take like three first round picks, more capital, and you know, a top end guy. He's he's just that good. Yeah, it, I I'm gonna have a hard time seeing Houston trade him. I do feel bad for him. He's been put in an awful situation, really. Um, I know they'll they just hired uh their GM, the guy from the Patriots. I can't remember his name, but um we'll see what they do with head coach this year. I, I would guess they'd probably hire an offensive minded guy. Um, I think he, that's what part of he he's on the he wanted them to interview and he wants Eric Bieniemy, but it does not sound like they're even hiring him. So I think that's a big part of where this rift comes from. Yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see how it goes. Uh I, I don't expect the trade, but if it does happen, it's going to take a haul from any team um, to get him. I've seen some rumors going on, but at the end of the day, I think he will end up in Houston. We'll see if it's true that he actually wants out. Um, I wouldn't blame him if he did, um, but I, I have a hard time seeing them trade probably a top five quarterback in the league right now. It's just going to be hard getting equal value for him unless you can get like a top 10 pick and draft. If you really fall in love with one of those quarterbacks other than probably Trevor Lawrence. Um, you really fall in love with any of those guys, maybe make the move, but it's going to be hard getting equal value back for Deshaun Watson. No, you, 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 you can't, you don't trade a guy like Deshaun Watson. They need to work on repairing that. Maybe the whole, the new regime past Bill O'Brien, um, can fix that, but you got to feel bad for a guy like him. And yeah, I mean, I, my heart goes out to JJ Watt, that man, puts his heart and soul into every single game just for a pathetic franchise at this point. Not that, yeah. not that I'm one to be talking. I mean, I, I'm a Jets fan. Oh, but that, I'm a Lions fan. So. Yeah, yeah. But um, I hope the best for JJ. But that's just about it for me. Um, you have any shameless plugs before I get to my shameless plugs? Uh, I don't think so. I just want to say thanks for letting me on again. Uh, love talking course, football. Coming on course. here. Yeah, shout shout out Cooper Leda. Cooper, he's one ahead of you. Um, well, I think is this is this your third time? This is my third time. This is your third time. I think Cooper's had two. Yeah. Well, so always beating Cooper. Of course, of course. Um, as always, check out the blog, the redshirt dot or the redshirt dot blog. Um, I will have my picks for this weekend up there shortly, as well as my award picks. Uh, the Instagram at the dot I'm posting there when I drop the podcast, when I drop uh, new articles, as well as the Twitter. I always say it. Maybe if I get some follows, I'll do the Twitter. I didn't get the follows, but I'm doing the Twitter anyways. So at the redshirt blog. Um, in fact, the other day when uh, Devonta Smith won Heisman, I regret it that it was on my personal Twitter, but I responded to Brett McMurphy about uh, Trevor Lawrence getting number two. And I was like, that's yeah. awful. And I have, I believe, let me look at it now. I am at 96 likes. Oof. So that, that, that's what I cloud for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and look, Shams just tweeted that Twitter has permanently suspended Donald Trump. Oh, wow. What? That is, I, I don't know how you do that. But that is insane. Hit, you look him up and his account is suspended. But uh, this isn't a political podcast. This is the Redshirt podcast. We talk sports here. And uh, that'll just about do it for this episode of, well, I guess I just said it, uh, The Red Shirt Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in.